Welcome to Fort Graham and Goal. We got sports, we've got a Texas legend, and we've got some conspiracy theories in the whiskey world. So grab a glass, put the game on mute, and take a listen. Let's do this. Welcome to Fourth Jam and Goal. It's been a good minute since we've been on, so let's get into it. We're going to get into a whole heap load of a mess. I'm here. I'm your host, Kurt. I got my co-host, Dick. What's up, Drammers? This is Dick. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we are have been off the air for a while doing like live stuff. Uh, but we're excited to be back. Uh, we're going to talk sports. We're going to talk uh, Sam Houston. We're going to explain why we're talking Sam Houston. I guess Dick's going to explain that it has something to do with the Olympics coming up, or maybe they're not coming up. I don't know. No, we're not talking about the Olympics today. Figured we'd give him more time. Oh, even better. Make sure we're still having an Olympics this year. Well, shit. There's never a wrong reason to talk about a guy from Texas. I guess I'm in on that. Uh, Dick, shoot him with the socials, please. Yeah, so Drammers, um, we always hit you with this. Want to keep it going, obviously. Um, you can always find us at 4th Dram and Goal. It's 4thdramandgoal.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are both 4thdram, all one word. And then Facebook, of course, 4th Dram and Goal. Um, as always, tell your friends about us. Give us a listen. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, CastBox, Spotify. Shout out with the new Apple update and announcement, you can actually subscribe on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening to us on there, make sure you hit us and actually subscribe with the new Apple Podcast service. And then we're always looking for feedback, looking for new listeners. Don't hesitate to go ahead and reach out to us um, at fourthdramandgoal at gmail.com. That's 4-T-H-D-R-A-M-A-N-D-G-O-A-L at gmail.com. We want to hear your feedback. Ask us some questions. Tell us how much Kurt's intro sucks. Or how much you love our history lesson we're about to do tonight. Anyway, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about what we're actually going to be drinking tonight and why we're talking about Sam Houston. So did Sam Houston play Dennis Quaid in that movie or did Dennis Quaid play Sam Houston? I mean, can anybody play Dennis Quaid? It was 20-something years ago when Napoleon decided to retreat. Anyway, I don't think that was a good Dennis Quaid, but... Yeah, tell us about this magical substance that you've sent me. And this was one of those uh, on that wonderful weekend a long time ago where I had it after about five or six. (laughs) And I wasn't impressed, but as the iron root changed my mind, maybe this will do the same. Uh, And yeah, thanks for the sample, buddy. Yeah, man. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what your thoughts on this, because I've had this recently. I've got my review ready to go here. Pre-game did a little bit. But we're talking about Sam Houston 14. And for those who are not not aware of what this product is, it's only currently in about 17 states for the most recent batch five that came out. Prior to that, it was in nine states. So it's kind of expanding out a little bit. But the rat last re- but the last release was actually in fall of 2020. And that's when I happened to pick this guy up. It sits on the shelf from hundred to 115 bucks. Assuming you're not in a secondary market or at a tiny little liquor store with those great um, orange, green, and pink um, star cutouts that, you know, always say sale. I'm overpriced. Yes, exactly. We always say, if you see those walk away, walk away. So this bad boy comes in at 98 proof. It's a 14 year and four month aged bourbon. So it's getting into that 
really upper echelon of aging, almost ultra aged. We did the prideful goat review. It's a 15 year bottle. They're always going to be pushing this, you know, kind of aging up things, trying to get into that kind of pappy realm of some of their 20 and 23s, but not quite there. The mash bill in this thing comes in at 74% corn, 18% rye, 8% malted barley. I want you to remember that because we start talk, as we start talking whiskey conspiracies, those numbers are going to be very interesting. Now, tonight we're rocking with batch three. I want you to remember that too because batch four and five are 2020, so this is actually a 2019 product. So if you have one of batch four or batch five, it may be a little bit different than what we're drinking tonight. Yeah, so this is not one of our intro episodes. This is not your Jack Daniels, your Maker's Mark. This would be your AAA ball, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's on the cusp of going to the majors. Yeah, um, this one you're not going to see too often. You probably have not had it. Um, if you're a newbie or if you listen to us more for the sports, which I don't know why you would, but yeah, so this is this is a different take today. Good stuff. Thanks for that background. Excited to hear what you got to say about the conspiracy stuff, Dick. Um, badass label, too. Very badass label. Keep that in mind, too. All right, so let's get into that second dram, right, buddy? Let's do it, man. Oh, but before we do... It's weird. I was reading something. I did try to do a little bit of nerding out just so I could be one-tenth of you. Uh, they do the batches by state, right? They do it from like three different states. Are you going to get into that later? I wasn't going to get into that, but you are correct. If you get a bottle, you're going to see the state, essentially abbreviation, and a dash number, and, a, and a, a dash, then a number. That state is the state it's allocated for, and the dash three in this situation is the batch number. So this one, I'm assuming, is the Texas one. Texas batch three. That's do you correct. have? Do you know the other two states? I'm assuming one's Kentucky. There's more than that. There's a Maine. There's an Indiana. There's one for every state to distribute in. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So that was my nerd for the segment. Where I wanted to sound like Dick for just a little bit. A luck. A lot. A luck. All right. Dick, what do you got for us? I'm looking at our notes here, and I'm seeing something about the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Daniels. I'm not going to stop you from talking about that. Go for it. Yeah, man. So I I was doing a little bit of uh, whiskey news and reviews research, as I always do. But one thing that kept popping up is actually from uh, this Tuesday, hashtag 420. Former Jack Daniels distiller, Jeff Arnett, is opening a new distillery with two other um, Tennessee names, Chris Tatum and Corey Clayton. Chris Tatum used to be on like the Tennessee whiskey distiller. I don't know. He was like the board chairman or something like that. And then Corey Clayton apparently is a big like property guy. Apparently Clayton Homes is a big thing in Tennessee. You never heard of him, but they're actually opening a company called Company Distilling. It's going to open in Townsend, Tennessee. I think it's in like 10 or 15 acres. Um, and that is going to be like a groundbreaking thing that they start next year. But we're talking about like a $20 million investment with an upwards initial employee size of 50, 60 employees. So we've always talked about what would it take to open our own fourth dram distilling or fourth dram bottling company or whatever. I guess to do it right, it takes 20 mil. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, I talked about AAA and stuff earlier. I'm going to say this is starting off in the pros with this crew right here. I don't think there's any hitting the ground rough. Like it's going to be 
very interesting. Um, yeah, they're they're going think, they're going big. <laughs> yeah, I don't think these guys will have a problem getting. They're not the mom and pop distillery. Uh, <laughs> don't think Indy's going to be part of their name or anything. <laughs> No, I mean, heck no, especially Blake Paul, Jeff Arnett. I mean, we don't know details of whose idea this was or if it was like a, you know, hey, let's grab a bottle and talk about an idea I've got. But he was at Jack Daniels for 20 years. He was a master distiller. Like, it's going to be really interesting to see if he comes up with some good stuff. And you got to think, they start distilling in 2022, let's just say late in the year, early 2023. We should start seeing their product in 2025, 2024, 2025. So I'm interested. Well, I won't debate you there. I'm not a master debater, but... um. What else you got? Uh, I beg to differ on that one. What else you got? The other one, um, we've heard this kind of kicked around a little bit early times. One of our fan favorites, um, don't run out and buy six cases, but it is something to know that Sazerac obviously did purchase them. I think the news is getting out a little bit more. Last summer, right? Yeah. But they just announced, I think back early April, that they're actually going to start distilling, aging, and bottling the early times brand in Bardstown this summer at the Barton 1792 distillery. So that's the same distillery to 1792. One of our, you know, favorite, not say favorite, but one of our more pleasing products out there. Um, what are your thoughts, man? Do you think we're going to see a change in the product? I hope not. I hope not too. I hope it stays the same. Just as much as I hope Zazerac rye doesn't change in price. I hope it continues to be what it is, what made it special. I hope the purchase is just kind of an improvement and maybe making it more available. Um, I like it what it is. I don't want it to get any more special. I don't want it to get into the $30 range. I want it just how it is. So don't mess this up. Uh, 17.92, you know, cool. That's great. I don't want it to be 17.92. I want it to be early times. So that's all I've got to say about that. So let me ask you this. Are you going to go buy a case? Of early times? Well, shit, I should. I've bought enough over the last year or so. I may as well. Like, damn, I've given them at least $120. So is it worth the $120 investment? You know, you'd walk into specs. Hey, they got a case. Let me go and buy six bottles. The Just- nights that I've had thanks to early times, I always I always do that thing where early times will turn into the third dram for me, and I find myself catching, like, texting a new friend, like, Dude, you got to try early times. <laughs> like, that's what early times is to me. Like, sure enough, last time I had it, dude, you've got to try early times if you have it. So I, I've given them some advertising. They should probably give me a, a, a you know. Nice they sponsor box. the show. You know, five bucks. Keep it going. Sold. The other thing is with this, and the reason I'm asking this question is this kind of begs, it begs the whole age old question of, does it become allocated because it's going to change, right? There are variables changing. People are going to get a little bit uh, handsy with it, if you will. I've heard on, or not heard, I've read on a couple of Facebook groups that they went into a local liquor store and the guy behind the counter was like, oh, this is actually allocated. You know, we're actually increasing the price because it's, they're not going to make it anymore. It's going to be different. Um, you know, it's becoming one person per bottle per day. I, I don't see that it's bad because well, I haven't. If you go back to my New Year prediction, what was I saying? I don't know. Something about you being wrong. I said early times was going to lean heavily towards the allocation area, you know, but I don't know. The, that fucking sucks. Well, the one thing that I think may save it is I don't think it's as sexy 
as the Blanton's bottle or the Eagle Rare bottle. And I'm not going to lie, I think a huge percentage of the reason those bottles have become what they have is because of the labels, because of the bottles. Early times, I mean, first off, it's a damn handle. So um, it has that going against it for special bottles. I mean, I love more whiskey, but when it comes to, you know, it's a screw top. Yeah. So maybe that saves it. Um, and then the other thing that I think might save it is Blanton's. I mean, we were we were talking about a buddy the other day. He's not a huge whiskey guy, but what's the what's the first whiskey that's gonna get recommended to a newbie that's trying to be fancy and want to show up to the party? Go get Blanton's, bro. I mean, that's what a putz is gonna say. Right, and now it's I mean real whiskey. I literally saw a Facebook post the other day. What do I start drinking? And there was Literally 15 Blantons, and this was not from this was from our little old neck of the woods. Um, and then it's turned well, Eagle Rare. I've heard several three within the last you know four months or so. Do y'all have any Eagle Rare? So I don't know. I'm hoping the simplicity, the handle, I hope everything like that keeps early times just the way it is. Let's stop talking about it. Maybe people will stop buying it. True that. All right. So the next kind of like headlines. Let's talk about sports headlines, man. We are a whiskey and sports podcast. We're going to be heavy whiskey I know, tonight. We came whiskey heavy. out of the gate. That's a that's a changeup. I bet you're loving it. Well, I wanted I wanted to kind of you know toss it up a little bit. We're trying to bring in new segments, so new ideas, new segments. Hopefully, our our what in the world of whiskey that we're about to do. Will, uh, will be a mainstay. Maybe not all the time, but not a lot happening in sports right now. I mean, it's baseball season. You've got some off-season news. we got the NFL draft coming up, I think, uh, next weekend. We haven't talked about that yet. I'm sure we'll talk about the outcomes of it. Um, but what's going on, man? You got any uh, topics you want to talk about? Uh, Texas Tech. I mean, shit. Hours ago, Mac McGlone said, I'm either staying at Tech or I'm going pro. So he's taking his name out of the transfer portal. That's cool. Because that's like, you know, the new head coach, Mark Adams, saying, nah, I don't want to go to UT. I'm good. So he chose Tech over UT. Uh, of course, it was a head position, but still. And then Matt McGlone, who I'm going to argue with you if you say otherwise, I don't think there's a college program in the country that wouldn't want Matt McGlone right now. Like, I agree. Sure, there's going to be the teams that maybe he doesn't fit schematically. Maybe they just don't need him. Maybe they have somebody that he doesn't need to share the ball with. You know, maybe like he wouldn't fit in at Gonzaga. But he's a know, winner. Ninety exactly. So he's literally he has his choice out there, and he's saying, "No, nah, if I stay in college, I'm going to stay tech." So that's cool. Um, Is that a direct reaction to Adams being hired? It could be. I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping they love the guy enough. I mean, their team did get depleted. I think before he announced this, I believe there was going to be five players returning. Five solid players, uh, but, you know, uh, it could be because of him. Awesome. All right, man. Alex Smith, the man, the myth, legend, retired. Yeah, you texted me, or I texted you. Who texted you? Did I text you or did you text me? I think I, I, think I texted you and then you said, you holy me. shit, 
you know, yep. what a win. Then we talked about it and I said it was the right time. It needed to happen. Like he didn't need to go to it, a crappy team. Uh, he, God forbid, another injury. He made the comeback, right. did something that nobody, you know, very few people would have done. And it's time. It's good. It's the perfect ending. Yeah. Don't Emmett Smith it. Don't go play for a season for you know, for a team for a year and then ruin your entire legacy. Couldn't agree with you. And more. I think it was weird. I, I don't like the way it ended, you know, with him even saying that they didn't want him in that, you know, at Washington. Like I think he was the distraction. I don't think that was sad. But no, it was it was the right. He's done. He's he didn't have to do anything else. Um so what's next for him? Coaching or broadcasting? Motivational speaking, that's for sure. <laughs> All uh, right. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Very, I mean, not all announcers can be too, but he looked very close to his family. He's gone through a lot, you know, a lot of rehabbing, a lot of extra, you know, practices to get him back to where he was. So it may just be family time for a while, which you can't absolutely can't blame the guy. I don't know. He's got young kids. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the documentary of him. I think it was E60. Great, you know, speaks great. So I would not be surprised if announcing is in the future. Mm. Yeah. So I hope he enjoys retirement. Chet Holm, Holm, oh, Chet Holmgren. Did you see that guy? No. The number one college basketball recruit in the country. Oh, he's going to Zaga. Yeah. Yes. Have you seen that dude play? No. Holy hell. You talk about something that just doesn't look right. I mean, what is he like? Seven <laughs> one or something, and he's dribbling up the court like a point guard. He is amazing. Gonzaga was heavy favorites to get him. They are losing some people, but he's, you know, uh, that's exciting. It's exciting to 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 see how he does. It sounds a lot like Kevin Durant his play style. Uh, young Kevin Durant. Yeah, but the dude could shoot the three too. That's what's like dangerous about him. Yeah, Kevin couldn't do that and got he couldn't do that in college. Yeah, he can't now, or he could. I don't know. You're leaving yourself open. That's one of those type in what's Kevin Durant's three point percentage in college, and I bet you it's like I don't know. Maybe 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 he'll mean tweet me, and we can go back and forth in the DM. Oh yeah, he'd probably cuss you out a little bit, and then you can go on the defense and maybe sue him because he talks yeah. about you anyway. Good job, Robert. Um, All right. <laughs> NFL jersey rule change. So talk about going into my who gives a shit category, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there. So I didn't give a shit until Brady gave a shit, right? So summary on this: running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends can be allowed to wear anything from one to forty-nine or eighty to eighty-nine. Defensive backs can be allowed to wear anything from one to forty-nine. Uh, linebackers are permitted to wear anything one to fifty nine or nine to nine, ninety to ninety nine. Sounds a lot like college. Jalen Ramsey and a few others have already come out and say, "Yeah, I might change my number." Um, then you have others saying, "No, staunchly, I'm not going to change my number because what about all the fans who are going to get pissed that they bought my old number?" And now it's kind of like the Kobe situation. We went from eight to twenty four. Ah. But Steve Harvey show who gives a shit <laughs> number one on the board. As I continue, who gives a shit? And you're going to complain to me about people buying jerseys? I just bought a Deshaun Watson jersey not too long ago. Well, the Battle Red, to be fair. I've, you know, I've had one. But I just bought the Battle Red one. Looks like that one's turned bloody red. Anyway, um, I mean, who cares, man? I understand. Cares? 
I know Brady. I know, oh, if there's a guy with number two who's the Mike linebacker and he could be blitzing and I have to call that out correctly. Yeah, okay, Brady, you've won seven Super Bowls, dude. I think you're going to be able to identify the stud players on the opposite team. Like when I when I read the Brady tweet, all I can think of like this is his old man get off my lawn moment. <laughs> I'm like, I agree with you. No fun league. Really, Brady? You're going to be confused about, like, Khalil Mack coming across the line because his number's different? Like, gee whiz. Maybe. Maybe, man. You don't know. But uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and nose this uh, same Houston 14. I want to hear what you think about it. Please. Actually, something I do give a shit about. Thank you. Hey, you know, I do my best. You know, the nose is, is very good. And I was wondering, I was like, why do I like it so much? Besides the fact that there's traditional noses there, there is, I get, I get the barrel, I get the oak, no duh. Some fruits, not very sweet fruits, actually maybe some sour fruits, tart a little bit. Mm. But yeah. dude, I was like, why do I love this nose? <laughs> this smells like my kiddo's hair after I wash it with Johnson & Johnson shampoo. Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> that's what I'm getting. Yeah, I was like, God, that's familiar. <laughs> that's my son's Johnson & Johnson. You sure you're not washing your kids with bourbon? That is a possibility. Or maybe it's like <laughs> drooling out of my mouth under their hair. As I'm, uh... Wow, that's so weird. Now I can't get it out of my mind. I know it's been a while for you since you've been around the Johnson & Johnson, but no, I don't think that smell ever leaves your mind. Oh, man. No, but other than that, tart fruit. I get fruit. I get like red cherries, red fruit. See, not, I like the tart call. I'm not getting sweet cherries, like maybe even lemon. I got like a salted caramel, like toffee kind of thing going on. Mm, I can see. Mm. But here's here's the kicker. Right. So when you read Sam Houston 14, I think of brisket. That's what it smells like. Some damn brisket. Does not smell like brisket. And, and no, I think and it, mesquite wood from Refugio. Okay. Most Texas barbecues is oak. So yeah, but whatever. Mesquite burns too hot. Oh, shut up, Aaron Franklin. <laughs> All right. So I like your call outs here, but what I was getting to is Sam Houston. I'm thinking this is a Texas whiskey when I pick it up on a label or pick it up on the shelf. You read the label, you realize it's not. But there is like a corn, like a sweet corn. It's not Texas funk, but it's are, light and airy. Or you would expect it to be from Tennessee if you really know your history. Well, we'll get into that. Great call. Great call. But it's not. It's from Bartstown, Kentucky. Well, it's where it's distilled. It's, it's bottled. It's traditionally, isn't it? No. Really? Uh-uh. It's a bark sound product. We'll get into that. So, no MGP at all in the background at all? If you re- if you look up everything, it's not MGP. Lawrenceburg, hmm. Indiana. Nope. But here's – we'll kind of – I don't want to get into it yet, but give me your rating. What, what's the smell? What's the – give me the grade. I swear I think I've heard MGP, but – I'll give you the facts. I'll let you let you decide it. I love the nose. The nose is really good. You want me to give you mine first, or you want to go? Well, because if we have the same thing, the people are going to say I'm copying you. All right, on one, on three. One, 
two, three. B plus. A minus. Yeah, mine's bigger than yours. All right. I, okay. As you want to explain or you want me to explain? Okay, on three. One, I'm just kidding. Um, no, this is very good news. Very, very... It's a weird combination of subtle but deep. And it's lasting in the nose, you know? Yeah. Not a high peak that hits you, not burning, not, you know, and this is a 98 proof, so I wasn't expecting a very, you know, proofy nose. But I like it. That's something I could nose all day. Yeah, it's not quite there as far as nosing all day for me. I do like it. I would say that, like, Prideful Goat is something I could nose all day. Oh, well, now you're just talking about A-plus territory there, buddy. What I'm saying, if I want to nose it all day, that's what I want. So let's go ahead and get into our third dram. We're drinking Sam Houston 14 tonight, so we're going to give a little bit of background about Sam Houston, the guy that the bottle is named after. And this really started off for me thinking, hey, how can we kind of open the show? Let's talk about what in the world of whiskey. I want to make a clarification. We are going to try our best to not make this drunk history. Okay. As we were coming up with the idea and we were talking about it, I was like, oh, shit. Like this, this is drunk history. We just can't be drunk. So there's a segment of it. There's a segment of it that is very similar. Um, but I want to give a little bit of background about Sam Houston, important political figure and historical figure within the state of Texas. Um, we're talking about the guy who led the army to the through the Battle of San Jacinto, captured Santa Ana, and got him to um, sign the uh, the Treaty of Alaska, which gave Texas his independence. Fun fact: that entire battle lasted 18 minutes. 18 minutes. The Battle of San Jacinto. Mm-hmm. But everyone remembers yep. the Battle of the Alamo, Dick. Which was days long, right? Um, <laughs> and then everybody forgets the Battle of Gonzales, which is where Sam Houston ran, you know, um, Santa Ana through to San Jacinto. So fun times. Um, he was the first and third president of the Republic of Texas. And that short time span when Texas was its own state. Also why Texas flag can fly as high as the American flag where all other flags have to fly lower. That's part of the, uh, the uh, annexation of Texas into the larger Republic. Even he was, much? Yeah. He was the seventh governor of Texas, right? So we're talking about a long lasting political figure here. And he was the only governor, although he was a slave owner, he was the only governor to oppose the secession from the union that which led up to the civil war, which actually led him to refuse allegiance to the Confederate uh, States of America and ultimately kind of led to the demise of his political career where he went down to Galveston and then to Huntsville where he ultimately died. All right. So this is where our first debate is going to be like sports. Sure. He did want to leave the union he did not want to join the Confederacy. Okay. No, no, argue back. That's the fun part of this. I mean, that there's when you read the literature that I read, I mean, I think it's semantics, but he was not pro-Confederacy. He believed in the greater union, he, the, the union of the United States. I don't think he believed in seceding from the, the, the U.S. Well, I read in my literacy. In your literacy? The, on the... In your literature? I you are a teacher, so... Shut the fuck up! <laughs> I did read on the back of my literature, on the back of the comic book, that he did want to leave the Union, but he didn't want to join the Confederacy. But I'll leave it at that. Well, he did decline an offer from a Union officer to lead 50,000 men against the Confederates, so... 
That doesn't mean he didn't want to leave the union. Maybe he wanted to do his own thing again. Maybe. And I do, and I do know. <laughs> I think it's that, a debatable fact. I do know Sam Houston was very pro join the United States when mm-hmm. Texas was its own country because of the resources and, you know, joining a pro proven, you know, whatever. So just off the top of your head, where would you rate Sam Houston and like famous historical Texas figures? Number one. Yeah, I, I mean, think, think you're right. I mean, where where do yeah. I live? <laughs> he has a city named after him, a university named after him. <laughs> How fun many statues? <laughs> fun fact for you. You know what the first capital of Texas was? Houston. Yep. It was actually the capital of the Republic of Texas. And then those dying hippies took it, just like our Chris Beard, son of a bitch. Anyway. Um, All right. So let's talk about fun facts. That was like the history. My favorite one is he once beat up a U.S. congressman with a cane as he was walking down Pennsylvania Avenue as he was serving as a Texas senator. I believe it. I mean, he was he was he was Sam Houston. He was from Texas. (laughs) That happens today if you go down the street. Even funner fact: he wasn't from Texas originally. He's born in Virginia, and he moved to where? Thinking of a cool song to sing, but Tennessee whiskey, <laughs> Tennessee, where he became gov- wine. where he became governor <laughs> of Tennessee, and then the sixth after- governor of Tennessee to be exactly, and, and then he left office because he married a nineteen-year-old who, like eleven weeks later, she's a Cherokee woman. Eleven weeks later, refused to concede or to consummate the marriage. And so then he ran off to Cherokee Nation nope. for like three years. No. Nope. Wrong. wrong. How am I wrong? Second debate. He was married to his first wife. Yeah. Okay. They divorced. That's what I'm talking about. But it was never legal. Yes. Same, same woman. Yes. But because she didn't want to consummate the marriage. Sure. And then he married the Cherokee woman. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. Okay. But that was technically never legal because he never had a divorce from the first wife. Exactly. Yes. And then he wanted to come to Texas and the Cherokee woman was like, hail to the non-Norbit. So then they separated. And then he comes to Texas. Yep. Were you already, were you saying that? I was you. I think we got our our wires crossed, but yeah, I'm with the same alignment on this. Okay, facts. I thought you thought the I thought you said the divorce wasn't good with the second one. No, anyway, the, the 19. This is where we're trying one. not to turn into drunk history, but yes, there's going to be an aspect of it. But fun thing, when and why he was a member of the Cherokee Nation, that's why he could run back to the Cherokee Nation after Tennessee, because as a teenager in Virginia, he ran off and joined the Cherokees and lived with them for like three or four years. Yep, three years. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so very interesting and eclectic individual. I think a lot of the people that we read about in history books have some weird, like stories that are almost unbelievable. And that's why drunk history is a thing. Um, but he was the only American, as we just spoke about, to be governor of two different states, Tennessee and Texas. Yes, died at 70. Um, and you know what? We joke. I am actually a historian. Like, I, I love 
history. So I could literally have this conversation for another two hours. Well, we're going to be doing this on a regular basis now because you didn't know that I love history. Well, okay. And let me give you the background of why we were doing this. We were talking about fresh new material for the show. And it was like right there in front of us. One of our favorite things about picking up bottles is the labels. And if the label is going to open its door to you and give you a whole background to dive into, why not do it? So that's why we're starting to do this. Let us know what you think. If you're like, shut up, just give me sports and whiskey. Great. If you're like, oh, this is cool. You know, uh, that's kind of what led into it. And when Sam Houston 14 was just the perfect bottle to start with that. It really was. Great pick. Great pick, Kurt. All right. Any other fun facts or historical nuances that we need to know about Sam Houston? Yeah. Sam Houston played Dennis Quaid uh, in the movie, The Alamo. Um, You're so such a jackass. That's uh, because if there's one more legend, is Dennis Quaid from Texas? I have no idea. I just want to If he is, I love him even more. And then there, he's number one on my Texas historical list because, you know, you're not going to love Dennis Quaid. You know who I'm talking about, Dennis Quaid. He he was a yeah. I know the move you're talking. Yes, I know you're talking. He was a baseball player, and he didn't make it, so he became a teacher. And then his his players made him try out again. Yeah, that's a plot to a movie. No, that was the biography of Dennis Quaid. (laughs) It was not shut the fuck. Who was born in Houston, Texas? New list: Dennis Quaid, number one. Sam Houston, Uh, scoot on over. But where does Randy Quaid line up in all of that? Oh, shit. You just blew my mind. I mean, you're not going to put Sam Houston over Randy Quaid if Randy Quaid was born. Let's see. Randy Quaid. Ooh, Randy's looking rough these days. Randy Quaid went to the University of Houston. Of course he He did. was born in Texas, in Houston. By hell, you just got to do one and two in my books. Isn't Randy Quaid in debt like $10 million or something like that? I mean, (laughs) Steve Harvey, throw up on shit that doesn't surprise me. Has Randy Quaid been in a movie since um, Independence Independence Day? Day? (laughs) I'm home or I'm back. That's what it is. Uh, Great line. All right. Anything else we need to know? That Randy Quaid was nominated for Best Supporting Actor Oscar one time. Holy hell. What movie? I don't know, but this rabbit hole is just going. Oh, 1973's The Last Detail. If you did not know that, I've never even seen that movie. How was it not Cousin Eddie? <laughs> he was not asked to reprise his role as Cousin Eddie in the 2015 vacation, which I tried not to remember whatsoever. Anyway, that was a wonderful rabbit hole there. You want to get under the palette notes of this class there, buddy? Yeah, let's do it, man. I want to see your face when you take your first sip. I can tell you right now, it disappoints. Falls a little flat. It does, and that's the that's the thing when the nose is so pleasant. There's a sourness to it. I mean, if the nose is horrible, or the nose is not good, and then the taste is pleasant, it's a it's a good little turnaround. But when the nose is so good, and you get your hopes up, ah. Uh, Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's there's a bitterness, a sourness to it. I'm glad I, you like, said that. There is a bitterness. There is a. It's the oakiness. Like it's 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 like a out like you 
here comes my weird. I'm not. I promise, I'm not licking anything this episode. But if you were to put alcohol on some oak, maybe like and like ethanol, you know, actual which is alcohol, right? Yes. So I'm saying <laughs> alcohol on top of alcohol. If you took rubbing alcohol and put it on some oak, that's kind of what I'm getting on the back end of this. Like it's a sharp spike there at the end. Gotta agree with you. Um, I'm never worried about what you've recently licked. I'm worried about what you licked in the past and how, why you remember that. That's really what it is. I mean, I've licked my hands after touching one of those basketballs, but I don't remember what that tastes like until you bring it up. To be fair, everyone had one of those basketballs growing up around six. Oh, I agree. Sometime that basketball, I mean, you sniffed it. So you would assume it would taste like that. Yeah, you sniffed it or it hit you in the face and rubbed your nose and forever it had that smell, at least for a couple hours, right on the underside of your nose. Exactly. See, yeah, that's all I'm getting from this, man. Yeah. I If I hunt, there's like light, like like a bubblegum sweetness to it, um, a little bit of like faint vanilla, but I'm hunting at this point. And then I got one, like when I let it sit in my mouth, I did the whiskey chew, the bourbon chew. I'm doing right now, and I'm... I got, I got like this like light chocolate, but it was only after the oak dissipated. So the oak is dissipated and I'm left with like <laughs> rubbing alcohol evaporation. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one thing to say about it. We didn't talk about it. The color on this thing for being a 14 year old bourbon is very light. It is. And the proof is like, and this was one of those that, you know, when I was talking to you like, man, what special bottle do I get? It was on all the YouTube channels, you know, it was talked very highly of. So I was kind of disappointed when I had it at your house, but I was hoping like the iron root, like right now I would take iron root harbinger over this, you know, that was a great bottle. Yeah, I agree. Which is a true Texas whiskey. Let's get into that fourth brand in what we're calling what in the wide world of whiskey. That's wrong. We're calling it just what in the world of whiskey. Well, this is more fun. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll change the title just for you. That one screw up. All right. What do we got? So history of this beautiful label. We're going to break it up with two different sections here. Okay. So subsections. First one's going to be the history of whiskey. I'm going to throw a few facts at you here. Let you fact check me based off what you know. So this whiskey is actually named after the city of Huntsville, Texas, where the Sam Houston state is located. It's named after Sam Houston. I know it's actually, yeah. <laughs> was that a joke? It was my attempt to be funny. Yeah, it's actually named after Sam oh, Houston. That was so um, brutal. <laughs> you have said this was named after Dennis Quaid. That would have been better. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> All right. It is distilled in Bardstown, Kentucky. Okay. It is bottled. By Three Springs Bottling Company in Bowling Green. Not that Bowling Green, Kentucky, not Ohio, not where the semi-famous brown and orange bears or browns color university is. Different Bowling Green. All right. This is the third release. There have been five releases so far. I talked There's about them a little two bit. Two cities named themselves Bowling Green? Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> When I first read it, I was like, oh, Bowling Green University must be there. I looked up, I was like, no, that's Ohio. I knew I knew it, it was the, in Ohio, it was. the school and the team. 
Yeah. So, but this anyway. not fun facts. The thing about Sam Houston 14, and this is where it gets super important in the details. This is always a three barrel batch. So it's a small batch, but it's not a single barrel, right? So they take three barrels and that becomes that bottle, like that bottling run. So this one, for example, is bottle 416 out of 515 barrel or bottle, sorry, but it's three barrels. The mash bill, we talked about it in the beginning, is 74 corn, 18% rye, 8% malted barley. Fun fact, it's sister whiskey called Calumet Farms. Calumet. Is actually named after Calumet Farm, which is the famous horse breeding farm, right? Kentucky Derby champions, all those funds. We're talking about a high-end horse. It's not Calumet. I noticed Calumet. If I'm saying it wrong, so be it. Calumet. There you go. But the, if you go onto their website, Calumet Farms Whiskey, it's also a 14. It's a 96.2 proof, which is just about a 1.8 proof lower than this, has the exact same mash bill. And the batch size on this thing is 19 barrels per batch, every one. So what you could say is essentially Sam Houston 14 and Calumet Farm 14 both come from Bardstown Distilling. Both are bottled at the same bottling or plant. The only different, very similar proof point. The only difference is the batch size. It's essentially the same whiskey. Just in different bottles. And if you look at the bottles, very similar. The bottles are very similar. Well, one's more the wine bottle, and this one looks like a George T. Stagg bottle, right? That hard you know, curve at the top. But the bottle design is very similar. I see Cali May Farm all the time. So if you're interested, about the same price point, pick up Calumet Farm. If you can't five San Houston, very similar profile. Same source, same mesh bill. Well, now my mind is really blown because you were talking about the Kentucky Derby. Well, get this. In 1839, he purchased a horse. Dennis Quaid or Sam Houston? Same person. But he purchased a horse... And named it Copper Bottom. Copper. Like a copper still? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, exactly. And he owned that horse until he died in 1860. No tie, but okay. Crazy. Crazy. So let's talk about the producer, the bottler. Three Springs Bottling Company. It's classified as a rectifier. So a rectifier does not produce spirits, but it a blends. Rectifier. <laughs> I bought one of those to fix my problem one time. <laughs> it does not produce spirits, but it blends and adds flavor to whiskey and other alcoholic beverages. Once again, it's in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And here's the fun part. If you actually start diving into this, you can actually go to this website. Um, it's trademarks.jsutia.com. You can essentially just Google Three Springs Bottling Company Bison LLC, Bison Capital LLC. There's a registered trademark where Bison LLC is the owner of Three Springs 
um, bottling company. Okay. Now dive a little bit deeper. The known owner and primary operator is a guy named Brad Kelly. Okay. Brad Kelly is a super private billionaire who doesn't use email or Twitter or do very many interviews. He's about 65. He's got three kids. He's worth around $2.2 billion. And as of 2012, he owned in various states, including Texas and Tennessee, Kentucky, 1.5 million acres of land to include farmland, which produces corn, wheat, and other whiskey ingredients. Okay. He's not the guy who coached the Eagles? No. Oh, okay. This is Brad Kelly. What about UCLA? Nope, different guy. <laughs> it's his brother. It's his brother. He, oh, okay. This is the one that got kicked off Clemson. Went to yes, Wales, exactly. And got arrested for sneaking into the... Okay, continue. Play quarterback for the Broncos. Got for it. doing a panty radio. Um, so, fun thing about him. He actually founded this company called Bowling Green-based Commonwealth Brands Tobacco Company. Allegedly, that's where he built most of his wealth. He was kind of born into the tobacco um, industry. But ultimately, he is this huge conservationist. He's very active in these environmental conservation efforts and organizations. And he's, like I said, he owns 1.5 million acres of land. He's the seventh largest landowner in the U.S. Here's the kicker, though. This is how you know everything ties together. Do you know what he owns? What is his crown jewel of his assets, if you would say? Tobacco. Calumet Farms horse breeding. Oh. oh. So if you look at Calumet Farms in the the bottle itself. They actually use Calumet Farms, the horse breeding and, and raising um, company. They use the same logo, like verbatim. So, if so facto, he owns the whiskey. He owns the whiskey. He's a huge conservationist. I don't know where Sam Houston ties into this thing. That's the one missing piece. It's the horse. I'm telling you. It's old copper bottom. Yep. Does he, does he own American Spirit cigarettes? I don't know. I didn't get. You ever, have you ever smoked an American spirit? So I didn't get into the branding, but apparently the company that he owns made most of their money off of like budget cigarettes. So that would make me think it's American spirit. I don't know about that because American spirits are expensive. Okay. All right. I thought they were cheap. And I've had one before. I am not a smoker, but I am a, if it's 2 a.m., I've had a lot to drink. And I was like 20 something. Sure. They'll put some hair on your chest there, buddy. It's like you're taking the tobacco no filter? leaf, just rolling it up and just going to going to town. It's like a cigar. Mm, maybe even stronger. Like, holy hell. I thought I was spoofing on some machis with those bad boys, and I felt so fancy, but then instantly knocked on my ass. Anyway, that was my... So it sounds like a very strong cigar. For you. Anyway, the reason that this is interesting to me is, is what we've seen within the whiskey industry is a lot of companies are not very forthcoming with information about where their whiskey come from, comes from, who actually does the distilling, who does the bottling, what their parent company is, et cetera. 
we've seen these companies like Broken Saddle or these brands like Broken Saddle, Broken Friends, Broken Thorn pop up and you come to find out, oh, they are owned as a subsidiary or as a sub company underneath the Buffalo Trace brand. Lots of different things happening within the whiskey industry. So I thought it was kind of a fun rabbit hole to go down. Um, you know, you start just internet searching the hell out of everything. You see these tiebacks. So ultimately, there's a couple things to take away. You have a Kentucky billionaire who doesn't like to get in the face of the public, is not very well known, who's taking his tobacco money, his land money, and is an environmental conservative, conservator, and has kind of parlayed that into creating his own brand. Now, the brand doesn't distill anything. They pull all their whiskey from Bardstown, but they bottled it themselves. And now they have two very similar, very like. Have um, you checked out this dude's whiskeys. Wikipedia page? Super yeah. weird. Why does it yeah. have like, it's all like, it's like a picture. <laughs> like it's sentence, picture, sentence, picture. Like I've never seen that before unless I'm just behind on my Wikipedia well, I think you're looking at it on your phone. It looks a little bit different if you look it up on the uh, on I the just interwebs. Sam Houston, isn't that fine? No, this guy doesn't actually have his picture. Uh, you can find it on Forbes, though. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Commonwealth Brands makes USA Gold and Malibu cigarettes. I've unfortunately never heard of either. I've of those. had a USA Gold cigarette before. <laughs> Is it a budget cigarette? Uh, funny story um yes it's a very budget cigarette and i'm pulling up the picture to make sure that it's the one that yep the golden eagle yeah yeah i've had one of those before kind of a little different than your american spirits there a little bit different still rough but <laughs> rough around the edges so I, I i think it's super interesting um you know, how do we know it's a Bardstown product? Well, it says, you know, distilled in Bardstown, Kentucky. And Bardstown does kind of have a track record of not really being very forthcoming on who they sell their their uh, liquor to, where MGP is a little bit more forthcoming with that information. You can inquire, or ask, or look it up online. Typically, it's very straightforward. But Bardstown is a little bit more uh, clandestine, if you will. So that's it, man. That's my, my rabbit hole. Um any fun takeaways or was this kind of a, a big waste of time? No, I want to get your ass to work and find out what that private goat had in it because it was phenomenal and I want more. We can find out, man. I wouldn't Rating? be surprised if Bard Sound product. Because um, Bard Sound and MGP are the two big sourcers of whiskeys. No, yeah, I know that, but... I mean, this doesn't taste anything like that prideful goat. Doesn't have to. It could be different mash bill. I'm I mean, just making a statement there, dick. <laughs> just Honestly, it. the smell is not too different. Yes, it is. Mm. They're both good. Yeah. Prideful's so, a bit better. UNC basketball and UT, but we all know where that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> all, all right. Overall. Yeah, let's rate this thing. So for me, you want to do it on three? No, give me what you got, because I don't... God dang it. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Hey, I'm the man, the myth, the legend. I'm Sam Houston or Dennis Quaid. No. no, you're Randy. Um, Yeah, it's a, B. Randy. it's a B. Close to B minus, but the nose was very good. And I'm not going to lie. I gave it bonus points because of the badass bottle. Um, yeah. the The palate was a little... It was rough, and then the price is rough. The price is rough, and that's the kicker, man. It's because 
we talked about how many people were raving over it. And you look at the fact that it's only three barrels. This could be a bad batch. It very well could be. It could be. And, who, and like the ones, the, the bottles that these guys that put them on YouTube, like I've heard, I don't know. You're going to have to correct me there because you're a big fanboy of theirs. But didn't Dan and Sean, wasn't this one of those that they were like, oh, I would pay like 150, 160? Yeah. If I remember, they kept calling it a hitter. It's a hitter. It's a hitter. I would absolutely not do that. Um, Mm-mm. I'd be hard pressed to pay sixty for this bottle again. Could have been a. I would pay sixty. I would pay seventy five mm-hmm. because of the bottle. It's gonna make a super cool lamp. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, the price is tough. But nose bottle, fourteen year. The story B. I'll sit on a B. But you see why they can sell it for this? Oh, absolutely. For fourteen years, cool name. Cool story, cool well, then label. You start, then you start talking about, oh, it's a rare bottle. Well, then the bourbon enthusiasts like me and you are going to go out there and say, oh, this is a rare bottle. There it is. I've got to buy it. Mm-hmm. It's like your Texas oil bust and boom story. I mean, classic story as old as time. Or as old as the original Texas oil boom. Shut up, Randy. All right. All right, man. Um, any other thoughts on this or... No, I loved it, and I'm already thinking of the bottles that we can do this for. You know, it's almost you endless. Just, you do endless just with the name of the Buffalo Trace bottles. The uh, Duke, George T. Oh, great, <laughs> George D. Stag, E. H. Taylor. Um, e. H. Yeah. Taylor is where I originally wanted to go, but we both yeah. didn't have it, so I was like, ah. But we've got some right e. now. Taylor small batch, but that is not going to last. I've got a sample of that, so we could do that. I will save that for our next episode, my friend. All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get over that goal line. We talked a lot of whiskey today. It was fun. We talked about this great bottle of uh, Sam Houston 14, the legend of Sam Houston. We had Dick's Conspiracy Hour, more like five minutes, but still interesting stuff. And we talked uh, quite sports lately, you know, but we, we got to some highlights Dick, hit him with the socials. Yeah, so Dramers, as usual, um, we already talked about our website, fortramandgold.com, um, Instagram and Twitter, 4THDRAM, and then Facebook, fortramandgold. Um, as always, go ahead and email us any feedback you got, fortramandgold at gmail.com, and tell your friends about us. We want to grow the show, Apple Podcasts, Audible CastBox, Podcast Addict, Google Podcasts, the whole kit and caboodle were there. And... I'm going to go and hand it over to Kurt for the uh, quote of the episode, sir. Well, of course, after today's episode, who the heck do you think I'm going to pick a quote from? Dennis Quaid. Absolutely. I'm glad you knew that. <laughs> Dennis freaking Quaid. Uh, no, I've got one from the great Sam Houston, because why the heck not? And he said, a leader is someone who helps improve the lives of other people or improve the system they live under. Words to live by, by the great Sam Houston, a.k.a. Dennis Quaid. To the next drink and the next dram. Drink on, drammers. <laughs>